Welcome to Tuesday's programme, the 1st of February 2022. It's me, the BBG, with you till 7 o'clock this evening. Please reach out to me through the website richieallen.co.uk. Leave a message where it says comment live. Couldn't be any easier than that. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Leave me a message then. Let's have a, a good show. Why not? It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse said today that police and local authorities still cannot get a grip on organized grooming gangs. They can't deal with it. This is serious stuff, right? We've talked about this over the years. The IICSA found signs of abuse in six areas, but said police were often unable to provide evidence on the extent of the problem. There are extensive failures in how child exploitation is tackled, it said. What's going on? We'll be joined by an old friend of mine, Marilyn Hawes, the founder and CEO of Freedom From Abuse, will be on the programme. She'll be with me a little bit later this hour. You don't want to miss that. And then James Thorpe, MD, will join the programme. He's got over 40 years experience as a maternal fetal medicine specialist. He believes the thousands and thousands of children, of babies, of unborn babies are dying in the womb after their mums receive a COVID jab. This is important. We'll talk with Dr. James Thorpe in the second hour. That's Tuesday's programme. The time, two minutes past five. As I said, the 1st of February. That's music to my ears. Windy out there today. It's a windy old soul for today. A windy old soul for the windy old BBG. How are you? You well? Fair to middling? You're here. That's all that matters. Well... Austria became the first European country to mandate COVID jabs as of today. As of today, yes, Austrians could be fined between €600 and €3,600 for not having a jab. Now, this will become punishable from mid-March. I was looking at the Austrian paper Kleine Zeitung today. Obviously, the English translation, of course. So pregnant women and people who can't be jabbed for medical reasons will be excluded from the mandate. It expires in January 2024. So a two-year mandate. Interesting, isn't it, that pregnant women are excluded in Austria. If they don't want to have it, they won't be compelled to. Now, tens of thousands of people, maybe more, have been taking to the streets of Vienna and other Austrian cities since December to protest this, but it is here now. Austrians will be fined, will be restricted in their movements if they don't have the jabs. What do you think of that? Is it... I don't know. Is it worrying for you, do you think? Well, if it starts in Austria and then it migrates to Germany and other parts of Europe, could it eventually come in here in the UK? Could it happen in Ireland? Let me know, richieallen.co.uk. I'll tell you what I found interesting today. On the protests in Austria, 
right, which which were significant, let's be clear about it. The Austrian government and the Austrian authorities are blaming the protests on, quote, extremists, end quote. They've even gone as far as to claim that people who engage in anti-vaccine mandate protests are the sorts of people who spread hateful ideology, including anti-Semitism. This came from a guy called Omar Hajawi Perchner. That's his name, Omar Hajawi Perchner. He's Austria's domestic intelligence chief. He's claimed that right-wing extremists were travelling to Austria to network. How was that possible? He wasn't asked to explain. He said the protests were being used to spread hateful ideology such as anti-Semitism. Needless to say, the newspaper Kleine Zeitung didn't ask this guy Omar to provide any proof to support his claims about anti-Semitism. That's something we need to pay attention to, I think, in the future. Okay, the linking of protests against such horrors as vaccine mandates with anti-Semitism, which is something nobody wants to be accused of because it can have far-reaching consequences for you. I don't mean for me or for you, but for people who work for companies and people who work in factories, people who work in offices, you don't want to be called anti-Semitic. So they're going to link, um, but they've been doing it for some time anyway, linking people who object to lockdowns, people who object to the mandating of face mask wearing and the jabs, linking those people to the far right, which is horse manure. You and I know that, but that is exactly what they are doing. Stay in touch with richieallen.co.uk for articles, sometimes news articles, other times some opinion pieces I put on there. Face masks might remain mandatory on flights for years. You might have seen this today. You mightn't care but you might have seen it today. This is reported in The Times and elsewhere. And it's being said that different rules around the world would make it impossible for airlines to move individually, allowing passengers to travel without coverings. So airline A might want to remove the mask mandate and say, no, no more mask wearing. But because there are different rules in different countries, It might make it difficult for airlines to do that, meaning they might keep the mask mandate thing. So the the Times reported today that UK carriers are looking for international consistency before changing the policy. And ultimately, they want to act as one. Interesting stuff. Neil Sorahan, working for Ryanair, their chief financial officer, said there were no plans to change the rules. Ryanair will have you wearing masks for the foreseeable future. He said this guy, Sorahan, masks will be something that will be with us for a while longer to come. If that's the price we have to pay for the next few months into the summer, it's a small price to pay. I made the point in my article today, Not nothing original from me. We've said this before. What an incredibly clever virus COVID-19 is and how fair of it to suspend its infecting of people when the airline passengers remove their masks to have their gin and tonics and to have their in-flight meals. How, how absolutely thoughtful of COVID to just hang on in there and refrain 
from infecting people. I'll wait now till you've had time to have something to eat. To be fair to you. To be fair. Yeah. Wow. Here's something. Couldn't make this up. Undercover cops in West Yorkshire, in Bradford, are patrolling. Women are working undercover. Presumably well-dressed women, cops, female cops, getting dressed up to the nines and walking around Bradford hoping to catch sexist drivers. Sexist drivers. Cat-calling drivers. Drivers who might drive past a woman, roll down the window, and I don't know what you'd say. Because I'm not perfect. I've said this to you before. I've made many mistakes. I've said things I shouldn't have. I loan up to everything. But I've never rolled down my window and said something to a woman. I've never beeped me horn at a woman. (laughs) It's not something I've ever had the pleasure of doing. I used to drive around with an uncle of mine back in the 90s. And he was a bit of a ladies' man. Think of... Pat Mustard, the milkman, and Father Ted in the episode Speed 3. That was my uncle. Loved the ladies. He was he, He's a musician, you see. He never went home alone, my uncle. Loved the ladies. And he would do that. He would beep the horn. Now, he wouldn't swear, but he would beep the horn, roll the window down. He might wink and he might whistle at some fetching fillet passing by on, on, the, on the footpath. I just didn't know where to put my face. As a spotty teenager, no, I never had any spots, no. I always had a beautiful complexion, still do. Gorgeous. So gorgeous. So I've never done it. So anyway, that's what they're doing. Drivers who shout things from their vehicles risk being pulled over by one of these undercover women and handed a fixed penalty or maybe getting a summons and eventually going to court where they might be fined a thousand pounds. That'll teach you to make lewd comments at women. So there you are. Again, farcical this, particularly as it comes from West Yorkshire Police, which has a history of making a complete balls. It's an Irish, it's an Irish saying. Making a balls. To make a balls of something is to screw it up. For years, grooming gangs have operated under the noses of West Yorkshire Police. Asian grooming gangs. Taking advantage of very vulnerable young, mostly white girls. Yeah, for years. Hundreds and hundreds of settlements. The West Yorkshire Police Force has settled with hundreds of girls who they let down. Now, they knew this was going on, but they ignored it. So it doesn't have a great track record of protecting vulnerable women. And is a woman really vulnerable when a bloke is driving past in a white van or something? I don't know, and shouts out something, wolf whistles, makes a lewd comment. Is, is that vulnerability? Ladies, you tell me, richieallen.co.uk. It's ludicrous to me, but anyway. <laughs> don't forget, it's the same West Yorkshire police that two, three years ago asked its, what would you call them? Parishioners? No. Constituents? No. What would you call them? I suppose asked its neighbours. The people of West Yorkshire, it said, please report non-crime hate to us. Even when it's not a crime, we want you to rat out your neighbours. Maybe Mr Smith across the street doesn't believe that women can have dicks, maybe. Maybe Mr Smith doesn't think that women can have tallywhackers. Let us know. We just need that information 
for our files. It must be a fun place to work, West Yorkshire Police. We'll be talking grooming gangs with Marilyn Hawes in around about 15 minutes' time. It's uh, Tuesday's Richie Allen Radio Show live from Salford. Salford. Super Salford it is. And I put this on my website today not to be in any way provocative, not to in any way upset or hurt anyone, but I, I put it on my website because I believe it to be true. You see, this morning, I just about lost my temper after hearing the 526th person come on the telly to say that their senior loved one died all alone. All alone. And we didn't see her for eight months. And she died. And and, and, and the Prime Minister was boogieing on down at Downing Street with Allegra Stratton. Ding dong. And God knows who else. Blaming Johnson for it. And I've written this piece and I mean it. I think people need to, to take a bloody hard look at themselves and their own personal responsibility in leaving their loved ones for months in care homes and hospitals and not doing more to see them or to get them out of there. I asked the question today in the piece and I ask it now. Why wouldn't it occur to you that your 86-year-old grandfather, first of all, is 80 feckin' six? He's lived beyond the average life expectancy age for a UK citizen. He's four years over the life expectancy. Maybe five. Maybe it's 81 for men, 82 for women. I can't remember. Grandad, what does that mean, Bolly? That, that it doesn't matter what happens to him? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it doesn't matter what happened to him. But he's in a care home. He might have dementia. He might have cancer. Respiratory infections were the least of his worries back in 2020. What's worse? Being abandoned, not seeing your family, your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren, not having that touch, that kiss, that hug, or getting a respiratory infection. And that's the point I was making today. I, I've, I've seen some interesting comments on it, and I've had quite a few emails on it from people who are not happy, who say I should be a bit more, I don't know, sensitive around these issues. I wouldn't have left a senior relative of mine languishing in a care home or a hospital because the government said I can't see them, number one. Number two, even if I didn't know what I know now, it would have occurred to me there's something very wrong with this. So there you are. Um, Opinions on that. Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I right to criticise people for not looking at themselves and looking for someone else to blame? It must be very difficult for them. It must be horrendous, the sense of guilt, knowing that your, 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 your loved one, whoever it was, great-grandfather, great-grandmother, mother-father, died on their own, with nobody there, without a hand to hold. Whose fault is it? Johnson's, is it? Or do you take some of the responsibility on your own, on your own back? It's uh, 16 minutes past the hour. Drop me a message through the website, richieallen.co.uk. Here's an interesting one today. Talk about cancel culture. She's very successful, but I've never read one of her novels, even though I do like a bit of fiction from time to time. I like a bit of John Grisham. 
Uh, Val McDermott writes crime thrillers and is apparently very, very good. Uh, she's one of the UK's leading crime writers. She's ended her sponsorship of the football club Wraith Rovers. Why? Well, because in this transfer window in January, uh, Wraith Rovers signed a, a footballer called David Goodwillie. And he was judged to be a rapist in a civil court case back in 2017. No criminal charges were brought against him, even though the the, the, the victim complained and, and attempted to take it all the way. They didn't end up prosecuting the guy, the director of public prosecutions, but she took him to court in a civil case, <coughs> excuse me, and won. In 2017, in the meantime, he's, he's been playing for Clyde and scoring loads of goals. So McDermott said this, this guy uh, m- makes her physically sick and that the idea of her name on his shirt uh, left her thinking about tearing up her season ticket. And the captain of the women's team, Tyler Rattray, uh, quit the team as well. That's getting a little bit of coverage this afternoon. Nicholas Sturgeon is weighed in. Jimmy Cranky. That's absolutely out of order, is it? Sturgeon is weighed in, uh, supporting the stances of the two women, uh, saying that they are principled and uh, we need to go a long way to make zero tolerance of sexual violence a reality. It's an interesting one. Are you ever forgiven? I suppose he didn't do any time, did he? So maybe he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. He only lost the civil case. Who knows? Anywho... Uh, We're going to be talking about organised grooming gangs and the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse saying today that to this day authorities in this country were failing to collect data that would help identify paedophiles. The independent inquiry into child sex abuse found signs of abuse in six areas but police were unable to provide evidence on the extent of the problem, extensive failures... Um, The inquiry criticised authorities for failing to collect the ethnicity, importantly, of either the abusers or their victims. Alexis Jay, who's heading up this inquiry, said there was a flawed assumption that this form of child sexual abuse was on the wane. A flawed assumption that this was going away. That's... That vindicates Marilyn Hawes, who you'll hear from in a few minutes' time on this programme. Because when people were saying, loudly saying that after Rotherham, of course, after Rochdale and other scandals, that this was on the wane, that these grooming gangs were not operating with immunity in towns and villages and cities around the UK, that it was going away. Marilyn Hawes said, well, no, it isn't. It's getting worse. She's been vindicated. She'll join the programme uh, shortly. RichieAllen.co.uk, please drop me a message. Looking forward to reading yours. By the way, just to mention, a little bit later on in the programme, you do not want to miss Dr James Thorpe, medical doctor. 42 years experience in maternal fetal medicine. He says tens of thousands of babies have died in the womb after mum had a COVID jab. Why does he say that? Uh, is he right? We'll talk to James Thorpe in the second hour of the programme. William says, and William is Scottish, uh, you sure it's not David Bad, Willie? I didn't want to touch that gag. Lest I be hammered for it. 
and I'm I'm not prone to self censorship now ordinarily, but I didn't want to touch that gag that a guy who lost a civil case over rape allegations, his name is David Goodwillie. I didn't want to touch it, so there you are. Craig says so Val McDermott doesn't like Goodwillie. Am I the only one who finds that funny? Sadly, no. Uh, Horace says, shit like this happens when society is crumbling. All it's going to do is create a sect of extremely alpha male, or alpha males, who think little of women. Joan says, Richie, I don't understand why people have left their parents in care homes during this, uh, leaving them alone and scared. I can't imagine it. I would have had them out of there so fast, they would have, have, they would have to have locked me up if I was d- denied as seeing my family. It's completely soul-destroying. What is going on, asks Joan. Thanks, Joan. Cookie says, what about Beckham advertising the jab for children? He's a media whore, Cookie. Put a camera in front of him, give him a few bob, and David Beckham, just like many others like him, will say whatever you ask him to say. You remember Noel Edmonds many years ago? And, and the cake sting, remember? Which comedian did it? I can't remember his name. Which one? Comedian wanted to prove that celebrities will say anything for money without thinking about it or say anything just to be on telly without giving it any thought. And he asked Noel Edmonds to do an infomercial about the danger of a new deadly drug called cake, which doesn't exist. And Noel Edmonds and others, they couldn't wait to get in front of a camera. Gobsheens. Gobsheens. Angela says, Richie, the average age of the people who live where I work is 83 and a half. Not one of them has had a sniffle in 2020. Not one of them has had COVID. Many have developed serious illnesses, though, says uh, Angela. Thank you, Angela. 22 minutes past the hour. Lots of these coming in. I appreciate it. Hi to Red Green, to Richard Kelly. Hi, Richard. Lots of comments on the old wolf whistling there. Have you done it, guys? Be honest about it. Have you? Have you worked on a building site? Builders, it's, is, is it a cliche? Is it a gross generalisation? When you think about it, you think of builders, don't you? With guys wearing jeans hanging down the back of their arse, as you can see the whole arse, everything. See these guys? One, there, there, was, there was a guy like that who worked in my house in the last 18 months. I better say in the last 18 months, just in case he's listening, because we've had quite a few builders. I don't want to narrow it down. It's a disgusting sight, isn't it? You just want to say, pull the fucking jeans up, son. Just pull the jeans up or get a belt, you dirty... Right, okay, we'll leave that one there. We'll leave that one there. This is your Richie Allen Show. Fran says, if anyone calls me far right for being anti-lockdown, they will be moving far right very, very quickly. Having lost my best friend, another friend, and then my best friend from school, all as a result of these insane measures, I have a lot of anger in me, so beware, says Fran. Fran, I'm not getting in your way. Thanks for all of these messages. I really appreciate them. Thank you very much. Max says, finished work early today just to listen live to the BBG. Thanks, Max, and you're very welcome. Oakley dokely. want to say hi to Jeff. How are you, Jeff? Uh, who, who, who was introduced to this programme, or Jeff introduced Angela Lambert to this programme. Thanks for introducing Angela, Jeff about a year and a half ago or thereabouts. Jeff has been a great support to me, says Angela, and now he's going abroad to live somewhere where like-minded, unjabbed people live. 
let us know where that is. Uh, she says, although we've been phone and message friends for all this time, only met three times, I know he'll be listening this evening and will continue to listen when he is halfway across the world. Just say hello from you would make his day. Jeff, how the hell are you, pal? And all the very best on your travels. And I hope you find happiness where you arrive. And thanks for introducing Angela to the programme. Hi to Gavin Liederman as well. It's exactly 24 minutes past the hour. It's at this juncture that I normally take a tune, a dear listener. Uh, tell me this. Um, no, I won't ask you that question. I'll save that for later on in the week, is what I'll do. Uh, James Thorpe, Dr. James Thorpe, will be on the programme. He will be on the programme in the second hour. You might very well... Uh, be wondering. You might very well know someone who is pregnant. You might be pregnant. You might very well be contemplating the issues around having a jab while you're pregnant or whether you're pregnant or not, maybe. Full stop, maybe. I don't know. Uh, James Thorpe believes that tens of thousands of fetuses have been lost. Babies. We should say babies. Fetus is an absolutely horrible word, isn't it? Uh, To the jabs. Uh, that's going to be very interesting. He joins me in the second hour to talk about that. Now, Marilyn Halls joins me. This is serious stuff. She'll be with me on the other side of this from David Bowie. Or I should say Ziggy Stardust. David Bowie, David Bowie, it's a biscuit, it's a bar, and Ziggy Stardust, 28 and a half minutes past five. Going to get Marilyn on now. Anything you'd like to contribute to that, please uh, get uh, reach me through the website richieallen.co.uk. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'm flagging this up because it's important. Dr. James Thorpe on the programme um, in the second hour. Medical doctor. Um... Fetal medicine. Are the jabs causing miscarriages and stillbirths? He believes they are. This is serious. We'll get into it a bit later on. If you like to send out positive energy to people, I want you to think of the map of Ireland and the west or the west of Ireland and Connemara. Connemara. And then picture Cleggan. And then picture Jean Ann Crowley. My pal. She has an 18-year-old cat, fantastic innings, lovely cat, female cat, who Jean-Anne affectionately thinks of as black cat. But she's on her last legs. She's on her last legs, the cat. And those of us who love our furballs, it's never any consolation, even when they live long, fulfilling lives, even when they live way beyond their life expectancy. It's tough when it, when it comes to the end from one of our furry friends. I had this last year. Exactly this time last year, I was preparing for the end of my, our, I should say, our, a great friend, that's uh, the future Mrs. and myself, our great friend, Jazz the German Shepherd. It's horrendous. So a bit of love and a bit of bit of vibes out there, a bit of, bit of positive energy for Jean Anne. And uh, the old cat, because we love our furballs. So we do. Now... Let's talk about something um, we've not spoken about for a while, I suppose. Uh, Grooming. Uh, Child abuse, because it's incredibly serious. 
I suppose, um, in the wake of the Rotherham and Rochdale scandals, there were those who said that uh, grooming gangs and trafficking in this country was, in fact, on the wane. It was on the way out that things were looking a lot better than they had previously been. But news today would suggest that's not true. Let me read you this from the BBC. Police and councils still do not understand the risk of organised gangs grooming children in their areas. That's according to the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse. It said that authorities were failing to collect data that would help identify paedophiles. It found signs of abuse in six areas, but police were often unable to provide evidence on the extent of the problem. There were extensive failures in how child exploitation is tackled. That's a direct quote, extensive failures. Okay. In its 18th report, IICSA, or ICSA as it's known, examined abuse in St. Helens, Tower Hamlets in London, Swansea, Durham, Bristol and Warwickshire. The inquiry criticised authorities for failing to collect data about the ethnicity of either abusers or their victims. How is that possible? There was a flawed assumption that this form of child abuse was on the wane. A flawed assumption that it was on the wane. That vindicates, not that she needed vindication, my guest this hour. Marilyn Hawes is the founder and CEO of Freedom From Abuse, a long-standing campaigner on this issue and an old friend of mine. And you were right, Marilyn. It's well, not on the wane. What can I say? I don't want to be right. Of course I don't want to be right. But I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's not just where it's been mentioned, Bristol, Tower, Hamlet, Durham, Swansea, Warwickshire. We've had it, um, you know, we, we, we've had it in Shropshire, it's been in Rochdale, it continues there, it continues um, in Rotherham, it continues up in Newcastle. It's all over everywhere. It's down in the southwest country and it, it's everywhere and the trouble is, this exploitation does also link with, with, with the gangs, obviously. Um, and it, it, there is no excuse for them uh, not completing proper evidence. But, I mean, unfortunately, this is today's policing, isn't it? They are, I'm sorry to say, I know it's very independent and unique to each individual officer, but I hear too many times where it's been sloppy and they haven't done it correctly. Now, there is no excuse for not collecting data on ethnicity. And it is important, I think, that we know are there certain pockets of cultures that are more prevalent in this way than others? Or is it an assumption? Are white men, yellow men, green men with little brown spots on? Are, is it equal? Is it all in the mix? Is it one culture that would need more uh, education, maybe? But when you look... At Marilyn, what, what do you think? Hang on, on that issue, because uh, I know you don't pull any punches. What do you think? <laughs> what, what do you think on that issue? I've had everybody on this programme. I've had you on. I've had Maggie Oliver on. I've had Sarah oh, Tether Maggie on. Maggie Oliver, I love her. Maggie is fantastic. So let, let's forget about being politically correct. There is a problem in some areas, in some Pakistani, uh, British, I should say British Pakistani communities, there is a problem. There is. It's a fact, right? I believe there is. I mean, I, there are definitely white men involved as well. Um, there's also women. You mustn't, you mustn't like, forget there are women that get involved also. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think people overlook sometimes the female paedophile. But when you see the photos, when you see... And I, I actually think that it is to do 
to some extent with the cultures of young Bangladeshis, young Pakistanis, young, uh, you know, it's got nothing to do with religion, absolutely nothing to do with being Muslim or any other religion, because there's no religion in the world that would support this. This is culture. And I believe it could well be the fact that very often their girls are kept inside and away from men and all that until they're maybe 16, 17. And they see our girls out on the streets because we live in a free society. And they think, ooh, white trash. Right. These girls are falling. These girls are falling. They're lost souls. They're easy pickings. Oh, so you say white men. We see white men out and about and picking up these girls. Why don't we? I, I don't know. But you do... I have, and I'm sure Maggie has as well. This is why it is so important to gain this data. And you have to ask yourself, do they not want to do it because they don't want to be seen to be racist? This is not to do with racism. This is about we live in a multicultural society and we need to understand where maybe we should target with better education. And and I'm not racist. I'm absolutely not racist. I am completely against anybody who abuses youngsters. You don't have a racist bone in your body. I can confirm that. I've known you for years. Um, (laughs) here's, Here's a horrible question. Could some of these gangs around the country be operating under the protection of some police forces? It would not surprise me at all. I'm sorry, but nothing surprises me about the police force. It really doesn't. I think Robert Peel, who, of course, created the he must be turning in his grave. I mean, listen to this. I I, I went through that report. There are 198 pages, I have to tell you, Richie. But I actually went through it knowing I was coming on tonight. And, um, you know, they want want the Department of Education, and I agree with this, the ICSA... God bless Alexis J. She has done a brilliant job. They want the Department of Education to ban semi-independent settings and independent settings of youngsters between the ages of 16 and 17 because they're not supervised. And these youngsters are are harmed. They're already uh, very vulnerable. And, of course, these are like moths to a flame. They know where to look. They know where these residential homes are. And they want these settings to be banned. And and Elixir is correct in wanting that. They also... They also say England and Wales police must collect specific data. Yes, they must. But then you've got to look at two or three things that happened when you go through the report and you see some of the things these poor young kids have said, that social workers lacked empathy. Well, that is unacceptable. Um, Listen to this one. Care home staff chose, um, uh, chose an outfit to wear for a young teenager who had a date with a 30-year-old man. Excuse me? How could that happen, Marilyn? How, How in the name of Jesus, happen? could that happen? I have got no idea. I mean, it's just... I mean, that person should be sacked. And then there was another girl that came home, having been raped uh, and been drugged and all of that, and came back into the home crying to be accused by the care home staff of attention-seeking. Can I, I mean, ask you this? Can, can I ask you this? I hate to ask this as well, but I've got to ask and this. And I've turned away. Can I ask you this? Um, over the years on this programme, I've interviewed people like Ian Josephs in France, and I've interviewed, uh, years ago before he passed away, Christopher Booker. And yeah. they, they wrote about forced adoption. And then, then they wrote about how, 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 how the care industry, particularly when it comes to young children, is basically a, a billion kind of dollar business. It's a massive 
cash cow. Now, look, there are very good reasons why some children need to be taken away from their natural parents because of abuse and stuff like this. I totally yes. get that. But sure. when, when that happens, those children shouldn't become a commodity. But in the care system, they do become a commodity because they immediately become... The, the, a value is immediately assigned to them, a monetary value. Because if they go to live with a foster family, the you know a company like Barnardo's or another company will get a lot of money. The foster families get a lot of money. And if the child doesn't get on with, say, foster parents A, they then move to foster parents B, and a lot of money is generated there again. And that can't it, it, be helping. I mean, to call it the care system is it's a joke. Sort of a joke. It's trafficking, I mean, isn't it? You have to actually throw your hands up in horror if a child goes to the so-called care system. Yeah. I, I have seen some very, very good residential care homes, don't get me wrong, but I've seen some appalling ones. And I do train the youngsters about CSE and, and online grooming and stuff like that in these residential care homes. That, I mean, some of them, I was talking before COVID, I was talking to a couple of 16-year-old boys they had been bounced around the system by into 18, 19 foster homes, rejection upon rejection upon rejection. And what does that do to somebody? You know, and they ended up in a residential care home, which is a very, very good one. But they're not all. You, you've, got, you've got these youngsters, because there aren't enough residential homes. They get to 16, 17, and then they're just after that. You're out there living on your own. And, and that's not acceptable. These children don't have the life skills. They don't have the jobs. They no. don't have the money. It is a joke, the so-called care system. Children's services, let's have another laugh at that. Uh, I mean, it is an utter... It's, it is criminal. It's actually criminal. The, the price that the, these, these poor kids, the, their lives are cheap to the people that organize this country, or do we say organize or mess it and cock it up? I mean, whichever way you want to look at it. But I, I've done this job for nearly 20 years. I don't care whether you're a blue voter, a yellow voter, a green voter, or a red voter. No one has got this right. And it's top of the top charities haven't either. Is that because of this privatization? Hang, hang, hang on a second. And it stayed under the radar, and it still is to some extent. Marilyn, thanks for that. Is this down to... Is this down to privatisation? Is that the reason for this? I mean, if you get a private company involved at any level in the care of a child, the private company's only interest is its bottom line. Surely, anything to do with caring for children, caring for senior citizens, caring for anybody, should be run exclusively by the state and shouldn't be outsourced, or am I wrong? I quite agree with you. I quite agree with you because you have some, uh, you have like private prisons, you know, you have independent people that, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that the prison surface, youth offending, all of that should come under one umbrella. But unfortunately, that umbrella doesn't work properly. The, the, the lives are cheap. People do not put, you've only got to look at the headlines today, right? I picked on this immediately. And of course, I was listening to it when you called me this afternoon. You go on the BBC website. It's about the sixth or seventh one down. We're still banging on about Boris Johnson. Get your arse in gear and sort this situation out with these broken children. It's a whole new failed generation, and these youngsters will end up being parents. And they haven't got a cat in hell's chance. They are so broken by what's happened to them. If people knew, and it's everyone's responsibility, you see a youngster sitting in a bus station or in a bus shelter, curled up, not looking right. Does anybody stop and ask? 
You know, these children are taken in. There's not enough education in school about this. And I mean relevant education. Where, you know, I go in and I say to the youngsters, it's, it's, it, just be so careful. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You go into the chicken shops. You go into some of the food outlets or kebab places. And there's someone out there, an older teenager, offering you a free kebab. There is no such thing as a free meal. Because after four or five of those, you've then got to pay back. Then if you don't, you've got to do a drug run. And then if you don't do that, you're in real trouble. Then you end up being taken off, you know, where you're raped. I mean, some of these safe houses, so-called safe houses for the predators, have got maybe 10, 15 men, three times older than the child, all of whom will rape that child in an evening. Now, the system is you have a hook, and this is what the young don't understand either that the hook who is the stranger is very often someone their own age and they will approach a child in a park. I'll give you a classic example of a, a, a very well-known known town in Hertfordshire, broad daylight, Saturday afternoon. This is about three or four years ago. A 14-year-old girl sat on the bench outside a very well-known cheap fashion store, and this other girl comes up and starts talking to her. So she engages in conversation quite easily, like girls do. Wouldn't do it if it was somebody my age or you. They'd tell us to F off. Anyway, oh, what have you bought? Starts telling her, goes into this fashion store with her. Oh, I'd like to buy that. Well, of course she does, doesn't she? And then she comes out and she says, oh, it's going to cost a coffee. At least I can do is buy you a coffee. Gives the girl a cigarette. Uh, ten minutes later, the girl's not feeling well, very swimmy-headed, feels like vomiting, comes out the shop. The girl says, oh, let's just go down this alley here because everybody here is looking at you like you're drunk. Down at the bottom of the alley there is a very high-performance car, like a BMW, blacked-out windows. By the time the kid gets there, she's bundled in, off her face, doesn't know who's who. Five hours later, she's woken up in a field, naked, raped, being beaten, with needle marks in her arm. And that's not and an isolated daylight. incident, that. That's, that's not out of the blue, that. That's, that's not out of the blue. That's, that's common. You, you'll see these high-performance cars hanging around leisure centres. They are waiting for their hook to come out of maybe a big cinema, uh, a bowling alley. You know, those big ones where you've got IMAX cinemas and all the, you know, all the shebang there. You've got a Burger King, you've got a McDonald's, blah, blah, blah. And you see these big performance cars, because when they're not running around their hooks with their victims, they actually have to put the throttle down to get from one drug run to another, because the faster they get there, the more business they get. So they're not going to go around in a little put, 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 clapped out car, but the blacked out windows and boom, they're off. And you'll see them. You can go in any large leisure center. Uh, you know, once it gets dark, you'll see them crawling around like ants. And then when you say this to the youngsters, they go, oh, is that what they're doing? No one's telling them. And, you know, about the youngster that can be. Um, the person that's going to get you into this exploitation. And then you've got to have the guts to go and tell someone because then there is the threat. Some police forces will say they're met by a wall of silence because the child that is then taken and exploited because the car, let's rewind a bit, the car is the coordinator. That car with the, the, the hook and the victim in is going to go off and arrive somewhere where these kids will be given alcohol and drugs and multi-raped and then dumped. But that child's life is threatened if she tells anyone or he tells anyone. So, and in turn, they are then encouraged to become the next hook. 
and so it goes on. But some of these taxi drivers that were arrested and charged in Rochdale and Rotherham are back on the streets driving taxis. That shouldn't be allowed. You, you know, were they convicted I, I of anything? Despair, Hang on, were, were they convicted? weep, quite honestly, Richie. Sorry, Marilyn. Marilyn Hawes is our guest, the founder and CEO of Freedom From Abuse. Marilyn's a former teacher, has been campaigning for over 20 years on this issue. Absolute bombshell story today coming out of the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse. Alexis J saying that nothing is changing. In fact, it's getting worse. Grooming gangs are operating in this country with immunity. I am not being sensational. This is coming out of the inquiry. It's brazen, Marilyn. Listening to uh, what you've described, it, it, it is brazen. It is brazen. And, uh, and you can walk down. It's like people open your eyes. If you know what you're looking for, again, one day we were uh, in a, a North London borough. I was staying in a hotel, going to go and do some training at a very well-known public school. And we walked down, broad daylight. And my husband's looking at me and I go, walk fast, walk fast. He goes, what do you mean, what do you mean? I said, just keep going, keep going. And there were these like lads on hoodies and they were like taking raps at their ass. You know, these are raps where they, you know, they, they, you know, the heroin and cocaine and stuff like that is wrapped up and stuck up their bum. And they take it out and exchange it. It's brazen. If you know what you're looking for, you, you'll, you'll see it in plain sight. Some cops have and to be on the take, no Marilyn. No, no. We have a wonderful charity they called Crime Stoppers. If you see anything that looks wrong, if it looks wrong, it probably is wrong. You know, it, it looks like a dog. It barks like a dog. It's a damn dog, it, it isn't is it? It is a dog. If it doesn't, then tell someone. Call Crime Stoppers because they're not the police. They will hold that intelligence without revealing your name. They are the safest people to tell. If you think something's untoward, if you see a group, I say to the kids, don't hook up with these hoodies, you know, that the young 11, 12-year-olds that are on their BMX bikes and little shoe bag type nylon bags on their back and hoodies up and all of that hanging around street corners, hanging around in parks, hanging around in um, uh, what you call them, subways. Walk on past fast. Because what they're trying to do is engage with you and talk to you and get you involved. A number of children that have been done a first drug run because they were offered a tenner, they took the tenner, and they're looking, for, they're looking for clean skins. Clean skins are the youngsters that have never been looked at twice by the police. So they know what to look for. They know they, it's an absolute business plan. There was a brilliant book that was written by, uh, uh, I, I do read some seriously weird books, it's called County Lines, and it was written by a, a professor in the University of West London, Simon Harding. And I heard him on uh, Radio 5 Live several years ago, and I bought his book. He researched this for two years. Now, he did that research, and, and he was funded by the Home Office. So there is it. There so is. they know. Why is it an ongoing developing problem? You have, there's so much in this. So you have county lines drug gangs, you have drug dealers who are getting young children involved in, in drug pushing, drug selling, moving drugs around, but they're also drugging those girls. And, yes. and, 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 and the boys, it's not just girls, uh, and the boys, boys as well. And they are, can I just they ask this? Alcohol and they are passed around a crowd of men, three times older, so you know, in their 40s, right. and they are just raped, bounced around like a tennis ball. And then, For money now, uh, hang on, this, this is what I want to get to because there are, this, this has gone absolutely viral on my website. Listeners are going nuts with questions here. 
they're asking the question. They're being passed around then, these children, these boys and girls. Um, yeah. For money, number one, and is, is that true for money, number one? And number two, are they, is there high society involvement in this? Are these children being provided I, I, I for... I really don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me because, right. you know, a couple of these two lads I told you about that were bounced around the foster care system, I was talking to them about drugs and, oh, yeah, they've been offered drugs and blah, blah, blah. And they asked a very sensible question of... Why don't the police, if they want to target anyone, why don't they target some of the very high-end earners who are buying this top whack cocaine? If they and you know they want about legalizing cannabis and get it off the streets. I, I mean that's another conversation altogether. But these young fifteen-year-olds, sixteen-year-olds, they were dead savvy about what is going on on the streets and what is going on. I mean, offering children. I've been I've been asked to go into a a, a girls' school again next week. I was only in there a month ago, to you know, and I talked about online grooming but now these girls very sensible middle class nice girls are coming to school with gifts they've been given well hello so Where i've got to go in uh, next week and sit them all down and say who gave you these gifts where's it coming from do you know where this is going to lead because this is the precursor to you owing something and that owing something will be sex I can't and believe when you're I looking at the, 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 um, the I use a system like uh, Russian dolls, you know the little Russian dolls. Yeah. The most dangerous person is the tiny little Russian doll who is stuffed away somewhere in a job or a place you wouldn't even imagine, who is like running those county line gangs. And and you ha- this is a massive business model. There's hashtag one that gang will have low-level heroin. Hashtag two will have ha- uh, cannabis, rather. Hashtag two will have heroin and cannabis. Hashtag three. And it goes up to hashtag four. A gang with hashtag four has the very high-end cocaine. Now, if you swap and jump across gangs, that's why you get all these stabbings, because they, you, you know, that is the absolute indefensible. You, you must not defer to another gang. Um, and, and that's where you get these stabbings and these shootings. That's what's happening with these teenagers you keep seeing being stabbed and shot. You can't go on the BBC website. I go on twice a day. There is time and time again yeah. another teenager loses their life. Where is Pretty Patel? Where is Boris Johnson? Where is anyone that gives a damn? Well, they There's don't no give a damn. They don't and give I a damn. Literally anything, anything to do with the sexual abuse of young children and people People run to the hills because it's like almost they think it's infectious. Well, and then you get the, oh, if only I'd have known. Well, learn now. And I don't think it, I just don't think it's fair on teachers in schools to teach this stuff because they don't have the resources that people like ourselves have got. They don't have the knowledge and they don't have the resources. And sorry, my dog's going mental. But, you, you know, they don't, they don't know what we know and they can't approach it like we approach it because the next lesson they've got to go in and teach history. You, they can't yeah, talk yeah. about sexual exploitation in the way that we do. That it opens the youngsters' eyes to make them think. It's awful to be yeah. contemplating even talking about children to this. Let me do a very brief summing up on this and then I want to ask you a question about 2019. Um, my pal, uh, Marilyn Hawes, is on the programme. A fantastic lady campaigning on this issue for decades now. The founder and CEO of Freedom From Abuse, former teacher. Um, um, the die-in, really, when it comes to this information. 
vindicated today, not that she needed to be vindicated by the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse. This is not going away, it's getting worse. Gangs are operating in broad daylight with no fear whatsoever of getting the hook from a police officer or from, I don't know, a detective. But This is how I see this. I'm piecing this together over the years. So thousands and thousands of children a year are taken into care. Some, rightly so, because their parents are dreadful. Um, but not all of them. Some shouldn't be taken from their parents. Their parents should get help. Not all care is good. In fact, a lot of it is bad. So once these children go into the care system, which of course, as we described earlier on, is a massive corporate entity. It's a huge money maker. This, this uh, you know, uh, uh, putting children in care, foster care, care homes, it's huge. They're basically forgotten about. You've got people working in some of these care homes that couldn't give an arse about the children. You said to me a moment ago that a woman or somebody working in a care home dressed a young teenage girl up for a date with a guy in his 30s. This is absolutely horrendous stuff. So this is going on. They're getting involved. They're being hooked in by other girls. They're moving drugs for scumbags. They're being drugged themselves and they are being provided, um, they are being basically given to animals to have sex with and do what they want with. And this is going on on an unimaginable scale. Most people can't even imagine it. Just summing up here, Marilyn, and, and I want to bring this in. I want to bring this in. I want to bring this. This is incredible to me. Researching you coming on today, I remembered the back of my head. I kept thinking, Richie, Richie, Richie. Going missing, going missing, going missing. I looked it up just before the start of the COVID thing. They admitted that more than 10,000 children are missing in the care system uh, in this that. country. How many more is it? More than that, 140,000. Oh, Jesus, you're right, 140,000. You're right, you're right, it's over 100,000, excuse me. Over 100,000, yeah. Are missing uh, as a cause or a, a cause or a, um, a, a, yeah, a cause created by CSE, um, and uh, and it's an industrial scale, and there's no po- no point people being like it's an embarrassment, quite honestly. But I don't know how how you're going to break this multi-billion uh, business up because it's across the country. These gangs operate like any other business plan. Read the book County Lines by Simon Harding; it will make your heart stop. But you see, you don't even know the the woman that got this girl done up in the care home she may have been on the make by the guy who was 30 years old who was going to meet her for the date where there are vulnerable children you attract perpetrators so you don't know i mean there's plenty of people that have been perpetrators in care homes and even foster carers i think foster carers are the unsung angels in society but some of them want to be foster carers because what do they have they have vulnerable children in their care and I'll tell you, they couldn't do a worse job. Any government, over the 20 years I've done this, they have made a complete dog's dinner out of it, and there is no shame. They carry on with their agenda. I just, I just despair. I, 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 I would want to hug every one of those youngsters. It, it is just appalling. And as for the police, don't even take me there. I mean, they see stuff. They, you wonder what goes on in police college, don't you? You yeah. wonder what they're taught. And this is where we go back to, you see, it always comes down to, when you read the BBC, when you read The Independent, when you read The Guardian, they tell you that police forces are nervous about being accused of racism, xenophobia, whatever. But that can't be the only thing. There's got to be some protection for these gangs coming from the police. 
There's got well, to be. You're talking of very. You are talking of very, very dangerous people. Yeah. That are at the top of these CSC With lots games. Of money. They are dangerous, and they don't think twice about taking you out. So, you could say you've got to have nerves of steel. I wouldn't want to be a police officer these days. I always wanted to be. My dad wouldn't let me. But I think these days the good coppers really are amazing because, and they must be utterly sickened by the corruption that is in the Gen- Greater Manchester Police and also in the Met. I mean, what the heck is Cressida Dick doing? I mean, she certainly lives up to her name, doesn't she? I mean, <laughs> I mean, where is the authority? Where is the spine? It, 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 there isn't. I mean, I am very no-nonsense, you know that. I call it out. Other people should call it out as well, because... It, it, it has to be. If this was somebody's daughter, the really lovely family that I was dealing with up in the north of England about five years ago, and their child had gone missing over 90 times. And she never, never would she ever just go to the police and say what had happened. Now, the police have to have an allegation before they can move. She wouldn't because she was terrified of her life. In the end, she ended up in prison because they got to, She was a really lovely girl from a lovely family, and she met uh, another girl at school who wasn't quite what her, the mum said. You know, I'm not really sure she's your type, love, blah, blah, blah. And this girl would, oh, well, you know, mum, she's lonely. She does that, da, 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 da. So, yeah, but mm, you don't really. Anyway, she wouldn't listen to mum and she got friendly. And the girl was the hook. She was a hook. And then in the end, this girl ended up hooked on heroin, became a heroin dealer, and at 18 went to prison. But when she came out, the gang was waiting for her. And you know what, Marilyn? When the gangs use these women up, the ones that don't die, you said something very profound earlier. You said these women will go eventually and have their own children. You know what will happen at that point? You know what will happen at that point? Their children will be taken away from them and their children will be put into care because of the trauma their mums endured during their uh, days with the gangs. And those children then become the next, you know, become the next couriers. They become the next trafficked kids. It's it, yes. it it looks it looks so clear it, to it me is, now. It is absolutely dreadful. Um, it, it is criminal. I mean, you, to, to let this happen is criminal. It is every child's human right. Look up the UNICEF human rights or the, the, the human rights bill for, for children. It is every child's human right to have a safe upbringing. And who is responsible for that? Adults. Adults are responsible for it. The damned authorities, I don't know whether they breathe a different oxygen to us, but you, oh, I just despair. Truly, I do, Richie. I mean, I know there are some good social workers, but there's some pretty appalling ones as well. I was talking to a guy only today who's a lawyer who was going on about how some social workers actually commit perjury in the family courts. They do a fact-finding under oath, and then they get to the family court, and maybe they've been schmoozed by an abusing father who comes across as a real charmer, and then they lie and they change their statement in court. Happening every day. Family courts, they should be sent to the moon and left there. Absolute disgrace. And we have Tony Blair to thank for them. Yeah, we have Blair to thank for them. I've got one final question for you today. Thanks for coming on. We've got about 60 well, seconds left. Any time, you're welcome back any time. Um, how easy, I think I know the answer to this, I've got to ask it. How easy <laughs> is it today for a paedophile to work in in social care, to work in in childcare, to work around oh, children? Because, how easy is it? Let me tell you, I've been campaigning about this as well. They can change their name by depot. 
Do you know, I'm slightly changing, but I have to tell you this and share it with you. Ian Huntley, who murdered the girls and so on, was not Ian Huntley. His name is Ian Nixon. And he changed his name by deed poll and, of course, lied. Have you been known by any other name? No. Then he lied on his DBS. Uh, application. Have you been known by any name? No. So he gets a job at Soham School. Colin Pitchfork in prison changed his name by deed poll to David Thorpe who had murdered. He's gone back inside hasn't he? I always said, I said at the start of last year, that man will be back inside again by Christmas and he was. They can't leave it alone. They don't change. And whilst you've got that that's an open door and 40 quid to change it. Now, I would like to see a law that says if you have been convicted of any sex felony, any sex offence, child abuse, whatever, you cannot change your name. And, and when you come out of court convicted, it should go straight to the deed poll and your name cannot be changed there on in because you will always be a risk. It sounds and logical while you've got to me. Stupidity like that going on. And when you've got something like uh, freelance tutors come out of it, see, I go into the prisons, I know all the wheezes that go on. Not now with COVID, obviously, but you want to hear them laugh, oh, how they laugh when they're inside at the so-called um, rehabilitation. They, they know, they know what the, the blooming so-called therapists want to hear. And they go back to their cells and they laugh. I could write a book about it, honestly, Richie, if people really knew what went on and it's no good looking at your nice little rose garden thinking you, every single person knows a child abuser, they're everywhere. It's a pandemic with no, no uh, vaccine. No vaccine for it. Marilyn, until and next time. On and on until people really, but I mean, really are enraged. I continue to be enraged because my three children were, as you know, sexually abused by the head teacher, and I was a deputy, and he had been a paedophile all his life, and we didn't have the proper training. I am passionate till I go to my grave. I will never lose my passion for this subject because nothing matters more. We don't get any funding. We're not the NSPCC with their truckloads of millions. They've been doing this job for nearly 50 years. So why is it getting worse? They have the ear of the government all the time, as does Bernardo's. And, and so it goes on. The top charities do not want to collaborate with anybody else. They don't do half of what we do. Oh, they come out with great research. But, you know, if they were really preventing cruelty to children, they come on air and they make a little sycophantic comment. Why haven't they really banged that drum? Because they're tied to the government hip. Marilyn, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for coming on. Marilyn Hawes, the founder and CEO of Freedom from Abuse. Go to Thanks my website, for your efforts. Even if you can donate a fiver just to keep this rocking rolling, because, you know, it, uh, our team are passionate and we punch way above our weight. And I thank you, Richie, for contacting me because people like you put it out there and you're not ashamed to do it. And I thank you for it. God bless you. You too. Thanks, Marilyn. Go to Freedom from Abuse online, folks, and support the. Uh, uh, efforts of Marilyn and her team, if you can. Marilyn Hall is there, the founder and CEO of Freedom from Abuse. You heard her on Tuesday's Richie Allen radio show. It's kind of astonishing, really, isn't it, to hear that? In light of everything that's gone on in Rotherham, in Rochdale and elsewhere, for the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse to come out and say, listen, not only is this not going away, it's getting worse, that grooming gangs, men grooming children, using other children to do it, to then use those children, to pass them around to paedophiles. They're doing it in the open air, on street corners around the country. 
and nothing is being done about it. Interesting um, Interesting to see will there be any anything said uh, about that report in uh, the, because uh, it came out this morning. If the papers pick that up tomorrow, the opinion pieces, I- I'm not sure there will be, but we'll, um, we'll keep an eye out for it. In any case, um, time for a tune, back with more, your comments, and then we're off to uh, the States. Dr. James Thorpe, medical doctor, will be talking to us about why he believes that uh, stillborns and miscarriages are at an all-time high particularly when it comes to uh, the mother being vaccinated against COVID-19. You don't want to miss that. This is Ventura Highway from America. As I said, reading your comments next and then Dr. James Thorpe. Ventura Highway America, that's the band on the Richie Allen Show Tuesday's programme, February 1st, 2022. Dr. James Thorpe is standing by. That's good. Let me read a Quick couple of comments. Anto asks, isn't Tommy Robinson outing this for years? Isn't Tommy Robinson outing this for years? Anto's got about the same IQ as Tommy Robinson. Uh, No, uh, Tommy Robinson hasn't been outing anything for years. He's a racist thug, Anto. A racist football hooligan thug. And what, what Tommy did was, he took the work of other people, Sarah Champion, Maggie Oliver, people who'd been banging the drum about grooming gangs, Asian ones for years. Tommy took that information and tried to claim it as his own. And of course, the ironic thing about Tommy, five names Robinson, is that Tommy couldn't spot a paedophile under his nose. One of his own mates is a paedophile, convicted, but Tommy didn't know. Yeah. Inspector Jacques (laughs) Was it Jacques Clouseau Or am I thinking of Jacques Cousteau Inspector Clouseau More um, aptitude For catching criminals than Tommy The Tit Robinson One of the biggest idiots that ever walked the face of the earth Tommy bankrupt Tommy who libeled a young boy And now is searching around for The money to pay him And his lawyers don't come on to my website with talk of Tommy Robinson. Please don't. Go away. Go away. Go somewhere else. Grow a brain. I've had enough now. My Whatever patience I had over the last couple of years or before the COVID scam, my patience is gone now with morons, with muppets. Just go away. You want to be a racist thug, go and follow racist thugs like Tommy Robinson. Good boy, Anto. Good boy. There you are. Right, let's move on and talk about something very, very serious. And it is um, a claim by a medical doctor in Florida that the COVID jabs are causing miscarriages and stillbirths in the tens of thousands. Uh, He's Dr. James Thorpe and he uh, is facing losing his job because of that. He's facing losing his 42-year career because he has claimed that these jabs are deadly for the unborn uh, children of pregnant mothers. And he joins us now live from Florida. Dr. James Thorpe, welcome to the programme. How are you, James? I'm doing very well, Richie. Thank you very much for having me on your platform. Not today. at all. It's 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 nice to finally meet up with you, uh, James. And uh, thanks very much for speaking out. I've got to say that straight off the bat. I've had a good look in the last couple of weeks at what you've been doing there in Florida and the flack you've taken from it. 
I can't think of anything more serious than what you're doing right now. In this country, the UK, where I am based, you will know this, the government and the NHS are pulling out all the stops to encourage pregnant women to go and have a COVID jab. It's borderline bullying and harassment. It's non-stop radio, television, day in, day out. They tell them that the all the world data says that there is nothing wrong with these jabs and it's perfectly healthy for the pregnant woman to have the jab. It won't hurt the fetus. But you believe that you have evidence to the contrary. What have you found? Yes, Richie. There is zero credible safety data for the experimental gene therapy shot or jab in pregnancy. And I mean zero. It's a travesty. It is heretofore unprecedented in obstetrics. This is going to make the disasters of thalidomide and DES look like prenatal vitamins. Can you repeat that again? This travesty, the pushing and forcing of this experimental gene therapy jab in pregnancy is going to make the previous disasters in the 50s, 60s, and 70s of diethylstilbestrol and thalidomide look like prenatal vitamins. Why? That's amazing for me to hear that. Why would they do it, James? Why would they clear a drug for use in pregnant women or anybody if there was even, uh, you know, if there was even a one in a thousand, a one in a hundred thousand chance that it would kill the unborn child or harm the mother? Why would they push this stuff? Richie, I, I, I don't have expertise in that area. I, I don't, and I don't, want to speculate. I, I think it's pretty obvious to anybody that has been paying attention um, in the UK, uh, in Europe, uh, for that matter, uh, Australia, the United States, Canada, there's, there would appear to be commands from on high because the bullying tactics of the governing bodies in the United States of America, Richie, excuse me, there's, <coughs> excuse me, there's um, bullying tactics and the threats emanating from the governing bodies over the physicians and nurses all came out simultaneously in September of 2021, literally within uh, weeks of each other using the exact same language. If you spread Infor misinformation or disinformation regarding COVID-19, we will destroy your livelihood, destroy your career, destroy your reputation and your family. This coming from the Federation of State Medical Boards, the American Board of Medical Specialties, um, of which there's about 25 specialties and about 150 subspecialties, my board is the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And they have come out and basically said, you push the vaccine in pregnancy. They want to eliminate vaccine hesitancy. And, and I am just shocked because every, every person, every pregnant woman knows you do not take drugs in pregnancy unless they're known to be safe. And there are zero credible 
safety data. And, you know, I'm very, very impressed with the BMJ, the British Medical Journal, and thank you, our, our matriarch uh, um, of, of the UK. There is the only journal left, um, and the Dr. Abbasi, the editor, the former editor, um, let's see, was Dr. Um, Fiona Godby. These are truth seekers, and they've called out these, these fake, these illicit uh, New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet and called them out for what they are. Um, Dr. Uh, Paul D. Thacker, November 2nd, just uh, this past uh, November, wrote a scathing article, a whistleblower, on the horrible uh, misappropriation and mishandling purposefully of the data and the relationship between Pfizer and the New England Journal of Medicine. It is shocking that the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I won't mention his name, but this guy has the audacity to go in front of the United States FDA hearing um, and voted to push this poisonous experimental gene therapy in children ages five to 11. And Richie, this is what he said. Well, we simply don't have any data. We'll just have to roll it out and see what happens. And see what happens. We're talking about the health and well-being of children. So that's akin to me. I know it's a bit crass, but that's like, well, I'll put three cartridges into a six-gun barrel and I'll just see what happens. I'll just point it at my head and, and pull the trigger and see what happens. Have you, in your 42 years' experience, um, James, as a medical doctor in the field of maternal fetal medicine, I've looked into you because I like to have a pop at my guests if I find that they're not telling the truth or if they're, you know, keeping information from me. I can't find anything. <laughs> All I'm finding when I look into you is respect, is a, is a great career. You're very highly thought of. Have you ever in your career seen anything like this where qualified men and women are being hounded, ridiculed in the media, threatened and harassed because of their considered educated opinion. Do you remember anything like this ever in your career? Richie, I have never in my career ever seen anything like this. And if you told me five years ago or two years ago that this was going to happen, I, I would have said you're crazy. Um, I started having concerns in early 2020 uh, and you remember there, it, it's been one lie after the other. Oh, the vaccine's going to be fine. Oh, nobody's going to push the vaccine. Oh, it's going to be totally optional. And at the same time, they are censoring um, my colleagues and me, ridiculing, mocking us for using early treatment for COVID, um, which we have proven is 99.99% effective. And the reason why the Lancet faked that, completely faked that article trying to do a hatchet job on hydroxychloroquine, because that's what we were using. We used hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and um, other uh, vitamins and supplements and repurposed drugs extraordinarily safely, and they were cheap. 
And had they listened to us instead of mocked, ridiculed, threatened, and censored, 90% of everybody that died would have never died, nor would have they been hospitalized. That's when you say, why are they doing it? The reason why they did that, because they knew that it, there would have been no need for the vaccination had the public known what we knew back then. It would have, um, yeah, it would have made the vaccination program obsolete because the antivirals you're talking about would have basically knocked down the virus and, you know, it would have went away pretty quickly. I have a theory. I'm, I, I, my qualification is in English and in history. I, I don't have a medical qualification. My theory is this, and it, it goes back to something I've been reading, James, over the years in various broadsheet newspapers, you know, as is the job I do as a journalist, I read the broadsheets in, in the US and, and here. I know, that, I know that those who run medical policy, they have long wanted to move away from treating people and allowing educated people like yourself to treat people as you see fit. They've always wanted to move away from that and move into an era of prevention, providing more and more prevention. Now that sounds great, it sounds very benign, prevention. But what they really mean is pretty much vaccines for everything. Vaccines for obesity, vaccines for heart disease, vaccines for any, anything you can think of. And it's my belief that they're using COVID, which I think is a genuine thing, I think it's a genuine virus, they're using that as a kind of... Um, as kind of a you know beginning beginning this agenda of kind of accustoming people getting people used to the idea of taking more and more and more and more vaccines regularly and sadly also tying that into a kind of a social credit thing where you'll 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 get a kind of a credit score as a citizen a good citizen or a bad citizen if you take your state demanded medicine you know you, you might get access to doing things you might be able to go to the theater you might be able to go to the to the basketball game but if you turn down these jabs you 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 know your your credit score might might be lower now i know that sounds incredibly far fetched it sounds like something out of a dystopian science fiction uh, novel but that's how i see it i see them wanting to move towards a preventative era where we don't see our doctors so much, which is not a good thing. I want to be able to see people like you when I need when I need to see someone like you into an era where we don't see people, but we're given medicines by the state. Am I crazy? Have I put the tinfoil hat on or do you see some oh, no. of that? Oh, no, Richie, you're not crazy. You're spot on, brother. This is exactly where they're moving. And uh, are you familiar with the Dr. Watson program? no. But I'm all ears. So check it out. Um, but I am told by my, um, I have some upper level contacts in Washington um, in, in a couple of the three letter agencies, and I won't mention their names, but basically what I am told, and I was told this five years ago and I didn't believe them, but I'm told that by 2030, they want, they don't want any physicians. Uh, um, and that's why they, they're turning them all into robotic um, chefs, like they went to culinary school and they're reading recipes, uh, algorithms. They, they are trying to take out physicians like me who've long held the belief that a physician-patient relationship is in of itself uh, a human relationship that is very healing. And that human interaction is extremely important. 
touch is extremely important. Connecting uh, emotionally and mentally and listening to a patient is extremely important. And medicine, as you well know, it is an art. There is some science to it. But this whole idea and movement of shutting physicians up, controlling them, this started many years ago with electronic medical records, and I, I did see it coming. So by 2030, uh, they, they don't need physicians because they, have, they want to treat all patients with a robot, Dr. Watson, which has already been, been described, uh, and, and it, it is by 2030, so there'll be no need for a physician. No There'll need for a no physician. For Isn't that amazing? And I read something in the Times of London before Christmas about artificial intelligence consultations. So you know the way it is here in the UK, uh, James. Dr. James Thorpe is our guest, by the way, folks. 42-year experienced medical doctor. James, here in the UK, we have the NHS. Um, healthcare is free at the point of necessity for everybody, regardless of whether you can afford it or not. It's a great idea. Um, you know, it's something I, I, I think to be proud of. They have it in France. They have something like it in Ireland. And they're telling us that in a few years' time, my consultation, if I get one, will probably be looking into a camera on a tablet or on a smartphone, and it will be an artificial intelligence program that will be telling me what is wrong with me and what I need to do. Not Dr. James Thorpe or, or my doctor back home, Dr. Mark Rowe or Dr. Farrell. It'll be an actual, it'll be artificial intelligence. I, and I, there's so many problems with that. You know, let's, let's think about senior people, senior citizens, older people. But this is, this stuff is, it's, it's kind of out in the open, isn't it, James? I mean, if you look for it, it's out, it's in the, it's in the national media. If people can be bothered to have a look at it, where they want to take this. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Tell me this, James. Let, let's get back to the the jab for pregnant women. It is being claimed by, by, by yourself, I think by yourself, and by other. Again, I've got to say, folks, we're talking about very qualified people with nothing to gain by making these claims. This is what I can't get my head around. These are not conspiracy theorists. These are professional, uh, scientifically trained men and women. You believe that, to date, over 100,000, maybe 300,000 babies have been lost to the jabs. Why do you believe that? Where's the evidence to support that? So, uh, that, that, I want to make it really clear, uh, Richie, to you and your audience, that, that that is a theoretical projection model. But, but that is based upon the VAERS data. And, and the VAERS data, as you know, um, and, and maybe actually, you know, you have the yellow card over there. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. Um, but so VAERS is a little bit different than, than the yellow card. But VAERS has been ongoing for 32 years, and it has served as a pharmacovigilance tool for vaccine safety. And, and it was really the quid pro quo, it was legislated, I think in the Reagan era in 86, where the pharmaceutical, Big Pharma asked for immunity, lawsuit immunity from damages um, from vaccines because they wanted to make a lot of money and they didn't want to be held responsible for the complications. So um, I think that administration said, fine, but you have to do the VAERS, which is an acronym 
basically for the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, V-A-E-R-S. So it's been a long-held standing history that um, we look at that. Is it a perfect tool? Of course not. But it's the, the, the best pharmacovigilance uh, data that we have, and we've always relied on it, kind of the 550 rule. If you have five deaths, you get a black box warning from the FDA. And if you have 25 or 50 deaths, this vaccine is completely removed from the market. In 1976, I was in medical school with my brother in Detroit, Michigan. And I remember the swine flu, which, which I, you may be too young to remember, but we had 90 million Americans vaccinated. And when we hit the 25 death mark, there was outrage. It was immediately removed. The mainstream media, uh, everybody, patients, hospitals, the government were, were just totally incensed and upset. And it was immediately removed from the market. Fast forward another 25 years and we get into 1999, 2000, 2001, and we get the rotavirus vaccine. There were no deaths, but there were a few children, uh, toddlers that had this complication called intussusception, which is uh, not unusual. It's where the bowel telescopes on itself and it's easily fixable if it's diagnosed early. But my point is that there were only a dozen or so of those that vaccine was immediately removed from the market, and it was subsequently, shortly thereafter, proven that those cases had nothing to do with the vaccine, and it took them five years, Richie, to get it back on the market. Now we go fast forward, you know, another 20 years, and we have VAERS data where we passed the 50 death mark within three weeks of it being initiated. And as of now, we're, we're up to probably 21,000 deaths, Richie. And in the U.S., in the US James. Attention. My apologies for that interruption there. The 21,000, do you think that's in the United States alone? No, uh, in the United States alone, if I, uh, when I subselect just um, the USA, we're looking for at about uh, 10,000 in that range or 10,000 plus. I haven't looked at it this week. Well, that's week. massive, though. That is massive. And if it's 21,000 globally, that yes. is massive. And I didn't... Um, I'm, I'm just a little bit too young to remember 1976, but I, I've come across it in my research. I suppose the, the common denominator here is the media. In 1976 and in 2000 and 2001, the media did its job. In 2022, the media is basically owned, lock, stock and barrel, by the same companies that own the pharmaceutical companies and it's there to act as a propaganda wing for, for the... You should see... I don't know what it's like in your country, James. You should bear witness to how the media here attempts to shut down anybody, even the most innocent of radio phone-in callers who says, oh, my, my, my grandfather got pretty sick after dose too. You should see the speed, James, with which they, they, they chop down those callers and get them off the air. It is... It's staggering to watch it. I mean, these jobs are obviously causing harm, right? Obviously. It's, it's so upsetting, Richie, because, you know, these poor people, so many vaccine injured, even in my family. And um, it, it is so sad if you, your audience um, that's listening and you may be familiar with real, not 
realnotrare.com. It's a website, realnotrare.com. And this is a is a really, really incredible white uh, website. And what it's doing is it's giving documented patient testimony of vaccine injured. And the litany is thousands, Richie. And these uh, people come forth and show their devastating permanent residual injury that are related to the vaccine. And guess what? VAERS won't even accept their case. I haven't seen one of those where, you know, VAERS is supposed to take um, uh, add-on cases from either a physician or from a patient. None of these patients were added on. So Jessica Rose, Dr. Jessica Rose of Newfoundland, Canada, has done a lot of work on the underreporting factor. To traditionally, VAERS has only captured one to 5% of actual cases. And we have three decades of history of that. I purport that because of COVID-19, because of the lethargy and the contamination, the, um, I, I think, total uh, lawlessness of the government here, that they're, they're not taking cases Physicians are afraid to report cases or they'll get in trouble. Patients are afraid to report cases because their doctors tell them they're crazy. So I think the underreporting factor is far greater. It's very significant. Um, so if you have an underreport, let's say it captures only 1%, then, then Dr. Jessica Rose uses a URF, underreporting factor, that would be 100 if it were 2%, it would be 50. But I, I, I'm guessing that that underreported factor is closer to 1%, maybe even less. So when I look at the VAERS data and the uh, pregnancy loss, um, and I look at the fetal malformations, um, that's where I project those numbers. And it may be higher than that, but we simply don't know. Yeah, the point is you've not just grabbed the number out of thin air. You're not being sensational because when I announced you were coming on, obviously, look, I'm an open forum here. I don't censor anything. And when I announced you were coming on, some of my listeners said, look, we like this guy, Dr. Thorpe Ritchie, but they can't be making these claims about 300,000 dead babies. You know, they've got to be held to account for that. I've asked you, you've given me a fairly good answer as to, as to how that figure has been um, arrived at so so you know I'm happy to, I'm not happy about it good God no can I ask you this Dr Thorpe um, w- a couple of great things have happened well I think great I- I'm a bit hesitant because you never know what's really going on the NHS workers in the UK f- patient facing uh, staff doctors nurses porters uh, janitors anybody who would would deal with with patients they were told that if they weren't double jabbed by April, they would lose their jobs. I know you know this. Now, the government has done a U-turn on this and those people won't now lose their jobs if they don't get jabbed. Hallelujah. That seems to be good news. And we all watched with huge interest at the events in Canada last weekend, the 50,000, the big march, all the truckers coming into town to tell Justin Trudeau, listen, pal, you don't get to tell us what we put in our bodies. This... It looks like maybe there's a little bit of a turning of the tide. Uh, but, uh, but as I said, I'm hesitant to be um, optimistic because the goalposts can be moved so quickly. You know, we could come back tomorrow, something could have happened. Are you optimistic in the last week that maybe the tide is turning a little? I'm extraordinarily optimistic because, Richie, I am attacking 
Um, you, you know, I am attacking the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I've put them on legal notice with a lengthy letter in mid-December, another lengthy letter mid-January. And I believe that this is a massive collusion, illegal fraud. And, and I believe that they're getting desperate. They cannot debate me. I've asked anybody in the world to debate me. Nobody will for a year. Why, why doesn't somebody come and debate me? I, 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 come on, debate me. My, my email is jathorpe at bellsouth.net. Now, I don't have a lot of money, but um, my, one of my colleagues, Steve Kirsch, is extraordinarily wealthy, and he was very, uh, a very liberal guy, and he was double vaccinated, and he owned a massive, successful uh, Silicon Valley company, and he became truth. He saw several people and friends that dropped dead and looked into it, and the guy is brilliant, and he's published a massive amount of data um, and, and he's offered a million U.S. dollars for anybody that will debate him over the last year. Both he and I have made that offer. I, I haven't offered a million dollars because I can't afford that. But he has. He's not even a physician. And nobody will debate him. You know why? They cannot debate him. No. Okay, we have the data. We would make them look like bloody fools. And they know it. You know, um, my my background is in commercial and national media, so I worked for some, you know, big, big radio stations. And it is incredible to me to think, it used to be the case that we would report, you know, we would report, so back in the day, if COVID happened 20 years ago, we would report on COVID, and then we, we, we would report on this new jab rollout, which, which was unprecedented, rolling out a jab in six months. We would report on that. But the way things used to be, we as, you know, ethical journalists, we would have learned about people like you. And we would have said, hey, Jesus, get James Thorpe on the line, will you? Quick, get him on the programme. And we would have put you up against one of these doctors that was pushing the jabs. That's how it used to be. In 2022, you've now got BBC presenters, James, declaring that men and women like you are spreading misinformation. These are lay people. These are presenters, mouse pieces, and they are claiming that people who are asking questions about the safety of the jabs are spreading misinformation. James, this is like, I don't know, it's like we're in Alice in Wonderland. This is like vaudeville. I can't believe my ears. I'm listening to so-called journalists call people like you spreaders of misinformation. They're not giving you right of reply, and they're giving an easy right to the doctors who come on to tell people to take their jabs. And as you mentioned earlier on, the 5 to 11-year-olds, they're now giving the jabs in this country to vulnerable 5 to 11-year-olds. They're giving it to 5 to 11-year-olds who, who are already dealing with serious illness. It's absolutely horrible. And there is no debate about it in this country. In fact, they're coming after the independent media in the UK with something called the Online Harms Bill in Parliament. They want to get rid of it. They basically want to get rid, eliminate the independent media. And then you'll just have the BBC. I mean, this is this is beyond Orwellian, isn't it? Beyond Orwellian. It's it's just absolutely stunning, and and I want to um, to actually, I, this is so despicable. So we had the FDA hearings on the jabs for the uh, five to eleven year olds a, a month or so ago, and 
So the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, and uh, maybe I won't mention his name, but anybody can Google it, had the audacity. He's obviously been um, bribed and has an illicit relationship in my, uh, uh, very likely with Pfizer. And um, he had the audacity on the FDA hearing, and he is on record as saying, well, we simply don't have any data and we're just going to have to roll it out and see what happens. Can you imagine that, Richie? Yeah. The editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine? I, I'm just, and, and I know he did say that. We don't know that he was bribed by Pfizer. I've got to do, I've got to do the professional thing. We don't know that. Um, you know, this guy might be, he might completely believe what he's saying and what he's doing. We don't know. But I hear you, uh, James, to say that, you, you know, to say, let's just give it to them and see what happens as he did. Again, how could he get away with it? And I say to to, to critics of programmes like these, particularly people who say, oh, listen, they'd never give these jabs to people if they suspected the jabs were dangerous. I remind them of pandemics in 2010, 2011. We know that they knew that pandemics was causing narcolepsy and they still told people to accept it, to roll up their sleeves. These are yes. monsters, these people. Monsters, yes. right? That's right. And, and I, I'm not suggesting that the editor-in-chief, uh, uh, Dr. Eric Rubin, I will say his name, and I, I'm not making any allegations, but what I will state is that Paul D. Thacker a whistleblower published in the British Medical Journal uh, pointed out in November that there were numerous very concerning relationships between New England Journal of Medicine and Pfizer. And all your listeners uh, should check that out. And if that weren't enough, uh, Dr. Fiona Godley and um, Dr. Abbasi just a week ago uh, again made another claim that that there is complete lack of transparency from the data in uh, in Pfizer from the uh, initial trials that they ran. Uh, it's been completely hidden and no physician or any patient has access to that data. And, and you can make, they made a strong case for unless there's completely clear transparency, then a vaccination should not be Should used. never come a out. And you know, can I just jump in on that? Didn't Pfizer get caught with their trousers down by claiming that the jab prevented transmission and then it was found that they falsified the data, that it doesn't prevent transmission at all? And a famous UK doctor absolutely went batshit crazy over that. He said, I'm really pissed off. He said, because I took the jab so that I wouldn't pass it on to my patients. And now I find out that it doesn't stop transmission at all. The lies are gargantuan, James, and they are there for everyone to see. You're right, Richie. It gets worse than that. It gets worse, and this is UK data. And and I think that my friend Steve Kirsch uh, over in California has done an incredible job on this. And, And there are just recent reports. Not only there is not positive efficacy and when I say efficacy, I mean allegedly the jab should uh, make one have less viral load in their body, make them less able to get sick, 
and make them less able to transmit the virus. That's called positive efficacy. Okay, guess what? The UK data and many other places are showing the opposite, negative efficacy, which means, guess what? The jab is causing people to get more sick, especially with Omicron. They are shedding more virus and transmitting it more and more likely to go into the hospital. And you know, I should have brought this up earlier on. I can't believe I didn't do it. I interviewed a gentleman a few months back called Wesley. That's the name he, 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 he went on air with, but I knew his real name. And um, he's a UK funeral director. And he, he contacted this programme and he said, I want you to put me on the air because I've gone into hospitals, uh, one particular hospital in London where I would collect um, the deceased. And he claimed to have seen uh, refrigerators that were filled with, with basically with newborn babies, something that he wouldn't ordinarily expect to see or he would expect to see two or three babies uh, when he went and 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 did you know did his rounds basically to collect um to you know to 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 do what he needs to do for the deceased and he said to me on air and he swears by this he said there was um up to thirty maybe more babies uh, he gave me that interview I put him on the air it's a difficult thing for me to do as a journalist because you can't substantiate I didn't see didn't have any video footage to prove it but the guy swore by it. He had nothing to gain by saying it. And he said, uh, yeah, Richie, he said, we're seeing more, we're seeing, uh, you know, the mortality rate for newborns is definitely on the increase. Definitely. And that's that's from uh, Scotland data, too. And it's also from, from our data. And, you know, I want to go back to what you said. You know, all you listeners out there, okay, that, that um, uh, are critical of my claims and don't believe what I'm saying, let me tell you something right now, okay? It's not incumbent upon me to prove that this is killing a lot of people and maiming a lot of babies. Guess what, knuckleheads? It was incumbent upon you to prove safety before this was generally rolled out on the market and in pregnancy and to children. This was your job. So don't criticize me. It's not my job to prove to you that you're making bad decisions. It was your job to prove this poisonous gene therapy was safe. And that would have taken 10 years to do. And you did, you, your, you did your job. You did your job by advising your patients that A, they more than likely didn't need this jab, but B, there was a very good chance the jab might harm your unborn baby. That's doing your bloody job. That's the doctor I want. And and tell me this, James, before we run out of time, Dr. James Thorpe is our guest. Uh, James is he's practicing in Florida, 42 years experience. Uh, this gentleman we're speaking with as a maternal fetal medicine specialist, and they're coming after him. How serious is it for you right now in terms of your own job? It's, it's very serious. Um, but, you know, Richie, um, God made me a warrior, all right? I, I'm a warrior and for the truth. And 
I believe that if you don't have something in your life that's worth dying for, then your life is not worth living. In my heritage, um, you know, I, I, I come from a long line of fighters. Um, uh, Mr. Wallace of Scotland is, is in my heritage, and, and I have his warrior genes, except I'm a warrior for the truth, and I will die on this hill. I will not allow my physician colleagues around this country or around this world to be, uh, to be basically gagged. It's not going to happen on my watch, and I will go full force into these bastards, okay, until they retract their unethical, immoral, illegitimate gag orders. I will be on the aggressive attack mode until these bastards be truthful. Good for you, James. Good for you. And, and on that, they really are terrified of people hearing the truth, aren't they? They're, they're going after guys like Joe Rogan. Now, Joe's a fairly, mo- fairly moderate guy. He's got uh, no anti-vaccine uh, history. And all he wanted to do was give a platform to guys like Dr. McCulloch and others simply because the mainstream wouldn't. He was basically doing what the mainstream media should be doing. And now they're going after him. It, truth is in the crosshairs, really, isn't it? Truth uh, is worth fighting for. And the truth will always come out. Listen, uh, science doesn't move forward, Richie, unless you have a open dialogue with minority views. Just think about Galileo, okay? Galileo was put in prison on house arrest because he didn't believe in the geocentric. He believed in the heliocentric universe. You know, go to Ignaz Philip Semmelweis uh, in Vienna lying in hospital, the Hungarian Jewish physician who in the mid 1800s, the Vienna lying in hospital rate for having a baby, the mortality rate was 50%. And he did the first clinical study and said, hey, guys, you're going from the autopsy room to deliver babies, wash your hands with a lye solution. And he proved that they could reduce the risk of infecting moms and killing them. He showed it, but he was mocked. He was derided. He was stripped of every ability for his livelihood for the rest of his life. And, you know, you can go on and on and on. Um, The truth will ultimately come out. As Sir Francis Popper said, we proceed by refutation. If you don't listen to the people who are refuting your data, you have squelched science. James, the very best of luck to you. Godspeed to you. Do me a favour. Come back anytime you want. Keep in touch with us. Um, and um, thanks so much for your time today and thanks for being, uh, you know, an advocate for the rights of your patients and for everybody else to decide what goes into their body uh, and not to be told what goes into their body by uh, a dystopian, by an Orwellian state. Thanks so much, James. Great pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for having me on, Richie. Pleasure. Dr. James Thorpe, MD, live from Florida. Thanks again to James. Uh, For that, the time is exactly eight minutes to the top of the air. Lots and lots of comments on that, unsurprisingly. Let me read a few of them before we run right out of time. You're with the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. Linda says, Linda, um, anytime soon, he was on with me back in November. 
only back in November. You're talking about uh, Ryan there. I'll get him back on soon. Uh, Steve T says that Peter McCulloch, the doctor, has said that the COVID jabs can cause organ failure. It's something he spoke with uh, Joe Rogan about. Is that right, Steve? Thanks for that. Hi to Diane Hughes. How are you doing, Diane? Um, and Vivisection says, Richie, one thing you're wrong about, your suggestion that, that you could organise a debate on vaccines 20 or 30 years ago. Vaccines have been protected from criticism for at least 100 years. I'm not wrong about that. I chaired those uh, conversations. I chaired them. When parents were on the radio talking about it's better for children to get the measles than to, that's timely by the way because it's all the rage today the media is all over this story that the MMR jab take up has waned, they're blaming Covid and the lockdowns for this they're desperate for children to be brought forward to have the MMR jab but um, I, I held those debates and I sat in and listened to those debates years ago yes you could but the, the programmes I worked on there, were no cens- there was no censorship. And we could talk about whatever we wanted to talk about. Um, it's not the case today. Uh, Pandora says, yes, we will get these bastards. They will not walk away from this one. Hope you're right. Joan says, Richie, there are clinics popping up in Canada. Not sure about the rest of the world. They have different modalities in one place. Acupuncture, homeo- homeopathy, etc., This is how we will be living in the future. A lot of people I know will not go to the doctors for anything because they're scared they will end up in hospital on a ventilator. You can add me to that list. I've said to her indoors, never. If I do develop a respiratory infection at any stage in the next 30 years, if I live live another 30 years, never to go to hospital. Never in a million years. A good death question mark. Jackie Devoy, Jamie Ike, iconic. It's all I needed to see. But then I didn't need to see it. Uh, terrific documentary. No chance. Wes Baker. We say Wes. They say Wes. Because they're Americans. He says, Richie, the truckers haven't gone anywhere in Ottawa. They're still there and will be there, says Wes. Thank you for that, Wes. Thanks for all your comments today. Hi to Julia, who says, Wrens. Uh, has spoken about the -the off-the-charts increase in miscarriages. Thanks for that. Vicky says, I'm certain the doctor is credible and most probably correct, but to say that this the projected figure for miscarriages, it's reached using computer modelling, pricked my ears up. Isn't it computer modelling that has driven this pandemic and proven in time to be way overestimated? That's a good point, Vicky. They have projected that figure taking the VAERS data and yes it is a projection and they did use a computer to to arrive at that figure so you are quite right to say isn't it the computer modelling that drove the, the whole scam in the first place. He did give an explanation though as to how they reached that figure. He at least did give an explanation um, and then he went on to say uh, Dr Thorpe didn't he that he that he thinks it might even be higher than 300,000 miscarriages or, or stillbirths. Look, that's it for the programme. Thank you so much to Marilyn Hawes from Freedom 
from abuse here in the UK, thanks to her. And thanks to Dr. James Thorpe. You have been listening to Tuesday's Richie Allen Show, produced, edited and introduced by yours truly, Richie Allen. I'm back with you tomorrow at 5 o'clock UK time, as usual, for Wednesday's programme. You look after yourselves and one another. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Do remember, uh, the programme is archived at richieallen.podomatic.com. That's where you'll find today's episode and episodes going back seven years. It's all there. Stay in touch with richieallen.co.uk as well for articles and other items of interest. Closing the programme today with this from The Lighthouse Family. Until tomorrow, it's bye from me. Bye now.